Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are talking about vocations. So let's get started. We're back. <laughs> it's been a little while. I think you would mention, Lindsay, that it's um, it's been about a month. So yeah. that so, but it was actually good for us probably to take a bit of a break and and to get kind of get reoriented and uh, rest up a little bit after Easter and all of those things. A lot going on. So it is good to be back with you uh, to be able to reflect and to talk about the variety of issues. And, and you're right. Uh, today, I, I wanted just to spend some time uh, on the topic of vocations. Uh, one of the things that, that jumped at me was that I, I got a mailing uh, at the parish here uh, just a couple days ago about a couple of um, uh, opportunities for young men, particularly in regard to uh, a visit to the seminary, St. Francis uh, de Sales Seminary. And it immediately just hooked me at that time and said, you know, <clears throat> there needs to be a better way to do this. I was involved in vocation ministry for for good for a good eight years. Um, so a couple of those years, I was in the vocation office uh, as the associate director, and then uh, the last few years. I worked with the, um, the college seminary program, so uh, in an indirect way, I was involved with the vocation office and with the, the director and the associate director for the, the archdiocese. And even then, as much as my focus was to be uh, for priesthood, and of course, we, we do need to do that, there's no question, but as time went on, I really felt that, that we were missing the mark. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is that we, we really want priests, and, and that's important. We want uh, men and women religious. That is important. Uh, we want uh, to be able to have you know, uh, professional lay ministers, terribly important. Uh, we even want volunteers to serve in our parishes extremely important. Without volunteers, I don't think our parishes would virtually exist. And so what do we do when, when we're looking at that? Uh, we, we center only on, on priesthood or religious life for, for men and women. When I think that we're, we're centering on, on the wrong thing, um, not that, again, not that we don't need priests. We do. Uh, I've dedicated my life to that for almost 40 years. And so I see the value of it, of course. But priests don't grow on trees. And they don't? I, they don't. And hmm. when people say to me, well, Father Howard, what are you doing to get more priests? And I will say, remember, facetiously, I will say, my children are not eligible. <laughs> now, I say that in tongue-in-cheek, and usually it catches people short. Because they they wonder, did you really say that? <laughs> and I really did. And and what they're what they're missing is that priests, religious for men and women, uh, professional lay ministers, uh, these volunteers, they don't come out of a vacuum. I really believe in many ways we're starting at 
the we're starting at wanting really wonderful apples, but what we're not centering on is the ground that we're planting the seeds in. And what do I mean by that? When I think of the priests that have I have served with in so many ways, I think of the lay ministers. I think of the different families that have been extremely involved in, in parish ministries of all sorts. That doesn't happen by accident, and it doesn't happen, as I mentioned, in a vacuum. You look at the backgrounds of these folks, and most of them, I would say the vast majority of them, they come out of families that one takes their church, take church seriously, two, their moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas that serve in church somehow, they are selfless people that, that know what it means to serve, know what it means to be generous. And this may not only be in church, but oftentimes there are the backgrounds in these families where they are doing civil service. They are, you know, uh, organizing groups or being part of groups that are cleaning up neighborhoods. Maybe they're going like something like Habitat for Humanity. They're helping their neighbors fix up a porch, paint a window, stuff like that. These, these are the seedbeds where priests, religious life, um, for men and women, uh, professional lay ministers, these are the seedbeds. And, and what we center on are the apples. And again, we don't center on what kind of seedbed are we uh, somehow providing. I think of, for example, different parishes that I have been at and, and ask the question, how many, how many priests have come out of a parish? And in fact, it was uh, when I was in vocation work, one of the suggestions passed around that if a parish wants a priest, because obviously the, the shortage of priests was, did not come us by a surprise. They had been talking about the shortage of clergy back in the late 60s when I entered the seminary. I was part of the seminary vocation team that went out to different places and talked to schools. I was on what was called the VAT team. Uh, that was the vocation awareness team in college years. I was on vocation teams in, you know, in, in graduate school and such. We had been talking about the fact that we expected a shortage since the late 60s. Anyway, was my experience already. So for people priests and others to say, oh my gosh, we got a shortage. That is not news. <laughs> we have known that for a very long time. Mm -hmm. We simply didn't do anything about it. We simply chose not to do anything about it. And Is this before or after Vatican II? That oh, this is, this is after. after. This is after. I mean, part of it was, <clears throat> part of it was after the Second Council, there was uh, a good chunk of people that left religious life. <coughs> Excuse me. They left religious life, and there were a good number of priests that left active ministry. Lots of reasons for that, and the theology had changed a bit, and, and just the stigma that was there had changed a bit. But even the fact that, that men and women left, and, and it's not that I, I don't hold any grudge or anything against them for it. My hope was that 
what they chose to do, they did so in order to truly follow the voice of God in their lives and to be happy. But while this was happening, we, we were watching the Titanic burn, and all we did was rearrange the chairs. Rather than really, I think, seriously look at it, and, and we looked at how do we get more priests? How do we get more priests? And as I have reflected on that, and, and this is not out of any ill will whatsoever. I, I just look at it and saying, where did we make mistakes? I was part of it. I was part of that system. I made some of those mistakes too. And as I look back, but one of the things that I've often felt is that we weren't centering in a sense where we needed to center. We needed, I believe when I look back, and I believe we still do, we needed to center on helping moms and dads, not simply saying to them, you need to tell your son he ought to think about priesthood, because that's a scary thought for any number of reasons. And today, it's even a scarier thought. When I was in vocation work, again, this was in the 70s and 80s, is that I had parents tell me, you stay away from my children because I want them to be happy. And, I, and you know, sometimes it would catch me off guard and said, do I look that miserable? I mean, do I look that miserable and God-awful? And in fact, what it is is that statistics will tell you. Uh, I believe it is a father, Stephen Rossi, he, um, a sociologist, uh, and he showed the statistics that statistically, priests are some of the happiest people on the planet. That uh, among groups of men and women and such is that we are some of the most satisfied people. Now, unfortunately, what gets the press are the negative issues, of course, because that makes news. But every bit of his research search shows we're some of the happiest people on the planet. <laughs> Doesn't mean we don't have bad days. But I have been doing this for almost 40 years now, and I still enjoy what I do. I am one of the lucky ones that that wakes up in the morning and still believes that I can do some good. I enjoy what I do. For the most part, you enjoy the people that you encounter, the different opportunities, but people don't necessarily see it that way. So anyway, what we needed to be doing was to encourage their sons and daughters to do volunteer work, to volunteer in the church. Don't talk about priesthood. Yeah, we can talk about it. But to have somebody think about, you know, in eighth grade to think about priesthood, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, that, that's, that's a scary thought. Particularly today, maybe not so much in the past, but particularly today, to present that even to young ladies in school or whatever can be a very scary thought. Rather than when we're dealing with, you know, uh, young children and young grade school children and such, to encourage moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, to encourage their children, grandchildren to do charitable work, to help pick up the garbage in the neighborhood, to help paint that window, to, to show them, you know, if they need, you know, a window painted on their own house, to show them how to do that so that they have a skill set. So that the first time they pick up a paintbrush, let's say, is not when they go on a mission trip, 
because they'll know what to do with a paintbrush. The first time that they pick up a hammer and a nail is not, you know, when they go on a, on, on a hike or whatever. But, you know, when they're younger so that they'll know what to do with a hammer and a nail. To show them by example what it means to be selfless, what it means to be charitable, what it means to, to sell tickets at a, at, a, at a church festival, to clean tables at a, at a church meal or whatever it might be. These are ways that we teach our children how to be servants. How, it's not always about us. It's not always about us sitting down at the table first. It's not always, not always about us about when do we get our meal or whatever. But being able to say, you know what? My want, need, desire isn't necessarily a priority here whatsoever. It's about serving that little old lady or little old man over there because nobody has paid any attention to them yet. It's about doing dishes, <laughs> you know? I suspect the fact that you, Lindsay, work in church and such didn't come out of a vacuum that you had somehow a revelation one day while you were, you know, near the strawberries and pick and save, <laughs> and, and somehow somebody said, work for church. It comes out of a background. It comes out of family. It comes out of grandparents. It, it's so much mm -hmm. that working for church sometimes as, as let's say, as unrewarding at times <laughs> that can be anyway financially sure, or whatever, sure. that it came out of a background. Mm -hmm. It's out of those kinds of backgrounds that you see uh, young men and women, you know, uh, going into priesthood, going into religious life. Uh, and even, you know, that I have known guys now, and men and women, you know, they've been doctors, they have been lawyers, they have been engineers, they have been whatever they might have been. But part of their life was service, was servant. And it is then during, as they search for different things and as they somehow explore, you know, what, what life means for them or what God might be calling to them, now they have, you might say, a seedbed where this concept comes out and says, you know what, maybe this is what I need to do. And then when they hear the suggestion, it doesn't come like a, you know, a cold bucket of ice over the head. It comes more like, you know, a sunny beach because they know that they've had experiences with that and they overall enjoyed it. It was fun to serve. It was fun to, to be able to do something good and neat. It was fun to be able to, to volunteer and see something happen as they, you know, were part of a, a church festival. They, it was fun to work with a group of people, guys and gals working together, and to see something come to fruition. It was these, that's the seedbed that that ministry comes out of. When that's not there, then it is more like the cold bucket of ice. <laughs> But then they don't have, they don't have the foundation that helps them to connect the dots, and and that can be very hard. It doesn't mean that there aren't those moments for some people. There certainly are those moments, but not not for the most part. <laughs> you know, and and 
my family is not perfect. <laughs> not perfect. Um, but I know that when I think of, of uh, you know, where I am in regard to ministry is that my grandparents, my parents, uh, my aunts and uncles, these people were involved in church, but not only in church. They were involved in civic groups. They were involved in school groups. They were involved with their kids, you know, with volunteer types of things. Um, you know, I saw mom and dad at times put some things, sometimes rather important things, put them aside because they needed help at church. That leaves an impression. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, going back, you know, being, uh, I was a server. That left an impression. I was able to do something no one else could do, or very few anyway, for good or for ill. It was neat to be able to do that. It was neat to be able, you know, at, at the time when I was in grade school, to be out, pulled out of gr- classes because there was a funeral one morning and we got to walk up the street to the church Many times I and my brother or cousins or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and we got to spend the morning, you know, serving for a funeral and then having a great meal and then coming to, back to school, you know, around noon. I didn't have the meal, but I had the same. Yeah. Got pulled out of school for that. Yeah. Those, those are the kinds of things that leave an impression. And for me, it left a big impression. It's not like I ended up being a priest because, one, nobody wanted to marry me or that I wasn't good at anything else, or, you know, those that I somehow, it was the dregs that I had to finally pick up. It was that when it was suggested and when thoughts came to me, I had a foundation on which to connect the dots and saying, you know what? This might really be what, what, what I am being called to, because I know what it means to serve already. I know what it means to be selfless. I know what it means to sacrifice. I know what the, not that I am perfect, again, by any means. But I had a, I had roots, you might say, that, that really helped me to, to move in that direction. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we, we made a huge mistake. And, and sometimes we still make that mistake today. People want to, at times, there are folks here at the parish and other places that's saying, we need to convince these young people that they should be priests. Well, one, maybe they shouldn't be, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Two is that, but what have we done to help them even understand what that would mean? I think about a number of families that um, I have known again over the years. Uh, some where priests have come out of, or or where there has been some real ministry in church, where sons and daughters have gone off to the Peace Corps, you know, and not just one, maybe two or three, where uh, parents have uh, gone to on mission trips with their with young people, where again. These people don't come out of vacuums. And I I really believe that if we're to really increase ministry, and you think about where there were the huge numbers of clergy, one, 
church was more a part of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get that. But two, again, there was there was a real dedication to serve the community. The Elks, the Moose, the Kiwanis, the you know, the key clubs. They, there was all of these kinds of things. That's what gives the seedbed if you want to talk about vocational ministry. And I believe that's at times what we're doing is we're making our mistake there. Is that we want a young man or a young woman to commit their lives to service, but we don't, they don't know what that means. They know what it means to be part of a sports team. They know what it means to be, you know, be part of a dance club. And don't get me wrong. These are all wonderful things. But do these young people know what it means to be part of a service team? Of sacrificing their own time and energy for no other reason than because maybe it's the right thing to do. They're not going to get paid for it. They're not necessarily going to have their names in the headlines. They're not going to become rich by doing it. But we, I believe, are doing a great disservice to young people when we do not help them know what it means to serve. I believe out of that, that's where we're going to find then a richer field for the possibilities of priesthood and religious life. I don't mean to suggest that we never talk to groups about priesthood or religious life for men and women. It's just, it can't stop there. Is that... uh, and, and I'm thinking about my own aspect of priests and being a priest and such, is that I haven't always done well with that. But I have continued to grow with that now in, in encouraging people, saying, you know, have your son or your daughter, your grandson or your granddaughter join you in serving the poor. Uh, some good friends of mine, uh, their granddaughter you know, they would take them, for example, to uh, a food bank and they would sort cans of food for no other reason because it's a good thing for us to do. Um, I was beginning to encourage, you know, uh, that's why I encourage, uh, for example, uh, the, uh, the mission trips. Mm-hmm. Those are wonderful, wonderful opportunities for young people to be able to be selfless, to recognize not everybody uh, has what they have, but also that what they do is not because, well, those poor slobs need me, is to do it simply out of charity. And when one does that out of charity, you recognize you get so much more back than you could possibly give. It might be a hug it might be tears, it might be a huge smile, but you get so much back when you're able to simply know that something was done just because it was the good and the right thing to do. Out of that, then one can begin to relate to priesthood and to religious life. And it's not relating to it simply by what you have to give up. And, you know, and I've, and I've been told by people, oh, Father, you give up so much. <laughs> and, I, and I at times stare at them and, and I have said to folks, 
And you tell me what parent doesn't sacrifice. You tell me what grandparent doesn't sacrifice. Probably ten times as much I might sacrifice. They sacrifice for their kids. They sacrifice for their kids' future. They sit at bedsides, you know, uh, throwing their hands up to God because their child is sick. Uh, They sacrifice time and energy. Maybe they even sacrifice the dreams that they had, you know, because a child came along and it, it, it wasn't necessarily expected. For grandparents, it might be, as we see today more and more, for grandparents, it might be, all right, we're now retired and we can do whatever we want, sleep late, and they end up taking care of their grandchildren. Because... It's what you do to sacrifice. Um, So, you know, do I sacrifice some things? Sure I do. I would hope so if I'm serious about a commitment that I have made in my life. I would hope I do something sacrifice. I, I doggone better sacrifice something or somehow I'm not doing something right here. But just because I may not have a spouse or children or whatever does not mean that somehow my sacrifice is any greater than the people that I serve. This isn't about, you know, a sacrificial contest here. <laughs> who, who gives up more? This is about making commitments and being willing and able to take steps and saying, I am doing this because I genuinely believe that the call of God is there. I sometimes would say to my nephew, um, uh, Arthur, when uh, I would ask him sometimes, hey, Arthur, have you ever thought about being a priest? I think my nephew would have made a great priest. I really do. He is, uh, he's bright. He's, he's very engaging. Um, and he would at times say, well, that's not what I want. And, and I would say to him, um, well, it's not about what you want. It's about where God leads you. Not about what, it's not always about what we want. We want a lot of things, but it's not about what we want. And so then, you know, there were different times as he was growing up, I would say, hey, have you ever thought about, it's not what I want. And I say, then I would always say back, it's not about what you want, it's what God leads me to. And so uh, eventually he got engaged and um, eventually married a little one. But when he got engaged, uh, I, I called him and I said, Hey, Arthur, <laughs> I hear you're not going to be a priest. And, and I remember he said to me, It's the direction God led me to. <laughs> see, he did get wise. But see, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing. You, you want them to be able to, you know, to, for him to make a wise choice. That's, you want him to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, do I think he could have done it? Absolutely. Not because he's perfect, um, but because, you know, when a person makes a, a good choice based on, on reflection and prayer and those kinds of things, in many ways you can't help but be happy. Even in the hard times, you can't necessarily help but be happy. And that's what you want. You want people to be happy. When I was working with our college seminary program, is that my goal was that whatever these young men decided, and I told them this time and time and time again, my goal was to help them make a wise decision. 
not to somehow convince them that they were to be priests, but to help them make a wise decision, whatever that decision would be. Did I think a good number of them could be priests? Absolutely. They would have been wonderful, wonderful priests. Would they be good dads? There are a good number of guys that would have been wonderful dads too. My hope is that I helped some of them, and I did. Well, I would say I helped all of them <laughs> in somehow yeah. to make a wise choice, whether it was to be eventually priesthood, which some did, or to be uh, parents, spouses, single people, uh, to, you know, to do good for the, for the church, but also to do good for the culture, the city, uh, the, the people among which they live. So that leads me to one thing of, you know, so much of the focus, you know, you hear it's vocations week at some point and people sure. pray for vaca- <laughs> vacations. Vocations. Yeah, we pray for vacations too, but vocations. Yes. <laughs> um, but isn't it also, it's not just about priesthood and religious life. Vocations are also single life, married life. That is correct. And I think that's important that we understand that. I feel like that gets lost a lot. I, I, I would agree. I would agree. Um, and, and so, unfortunately, though, that has been lost uh, and sometimes continues to be lost even to this very day. But I, I would agree wholeheartedly. When you think about a calling, a calling, um, you know, by, by the power and the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, is that it really is, you know, about uh, single life and being committed to that and living that well, being committed to life and hope and happiness and joy and, and, and the good of people around them so that if someone is committed to a single life, it doesn't become you know, some sort of narcissistic navel-gazing, <laughs> but that it truly is service to the wider community. That is indeed a calling. To, to being married, that is a calling. That's not a suggestion you know, in, until you don't want it anymore. It's a calling. Um, and, and or religious life, uh, religious sisters and brothers, or priesthood, diaconate. These are all in very real ways, you know, uh, uh, terribly important vocations. But see, if we can broaden that and to make sure that when we pray, we pray for that whole thing, is that again, out of that, out of that large seedbed, you might say, you're going to have those who decide to commit themselves, let's say, to religious life or women's, women's order, are going to find themselves committing themselves to the brotherhood in a religious order, are going to find themselves priests, deacons, whomever they might be. Out of that garden, you might say, comes the fruit that, that you know, all of the fruit, you know, there are red apples and green apples and, 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 and pink apples and, and yellow apples. It, it's not just about one particular kind of apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has to start, again, with the seed bed. And that is where I believe in many ways we, we can make, we make a big mistake. Um, and so it's, it's uh, you know, part of what I do then is, is to be able to encourage people, no matter who they are, no matter what age they're at, be selfless. A parish, um, I go back to, again, the comment made, 
it was suggested that if you haven't had a priest come out of your parish in the last 10 years, you don't get a priest when your pastor leaves. Yikes. I mean, it sounds harsh. Mm -hmm. However, it says something about a parish that says that's not important or ministry is not important or whatever, you know, and saying priests do not or sisters committed religious, committed married people, committed single people do not come out of vacuums. And if we as parishes are not fostering that, then I think there needs to be a serious question asked whether we ought to be a parish or not. Um, But it also, then it says to me, you know, are the parishes, and I have to ask myself this question, are the parishes where I have served, are they parishes that fostered ministry, selflessness, generosity, uh, compassion to all people, uh, whether it's, you know, giving to the poor of our uh, financial um, uh, resources, or if it's giving to the parish, encouraging ministries, or if it's somehow uh, serving the needs of the whole community. Um, if I'm not doing that, then in many ways, I believe I'm not doing my job. This isn't about just, well, Father Howard needs to say Mass. Well, yes, but praying the Mass with a, a group of people ought to be bearing some fruit. And that is, again, when it says, Misa S, go in peace. Go, you know, it's like, get out of here and now do what all of this praying says we're about. If we're not doing that, then somehow we're missing, we're missing the boat. We're missing the boat. So as harsh as that might sound, it's, it's you know, something for um, holy angels to say, how many priests have come out of this parish? How many people have we sent to the seminary, to religious life, to the diaconate, to um, professional ministries, to uh, how do we support those single, um, you know, people in, in our parish, in, in the ministries that they do and in, and in their lives to somehow, you know, serve the people of God? Um, is that there's enough work for everybody here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we as a parish... And just because, for example, someone is sent to the, you know, to the uh, seminary or to a uh, convent or whatever, doesn't mean that they're going to be automatically ordained. The whole point of going to a place like that is to discern, is to sort things out. It can be confusing to sort things out. I just um, uh, got word of, of a, a young man, delightful young man. He had been part of the Jesuits for a while. Um, he entered when he was 18, so he entered quite young, and he received vows. But uh, I, I found from his, I found out from his parents that he decided to uh, to leave the Jesuits. You know, somebody said, "Oh, how terrible!" or "Or how bad!" or whatever. No, for me, it's like my only concern is one, his happiness, and two, is that the decision that he made was a wise and good decision rooted in prayer, rooted in reflection, rooted in those people that love him dearly. Um, that's my hope for him because there is no question in my mind 
whatever this young man does, he will be generous, he will be kind, he will be faithful, he will be committed, whether he ever is married or not. If he were married, I believe he would be a great dad. Um, if he were single, I believe that he would do good things for the world of which he is a part. Just want him to be happy and, and to hear the word of God. Um, those are the things that I think that, that we as a parish really need to look at. And every single one of us, because every single one of us has a responsibility to foster this kind of fertile ground, you might say, that as we have a Catholic school here, we have a wonderful you know, uh, formation program here, are we creating fertile ground that are raising up good ministry people way before we ask the question of whether they want to be a priest or not? Um, I think if we start there, we won't have to worry about where they're all coming from because a good tree bears good fruit. The scriptures tell us that. And if that good fruit is in priesthood or religious life or diaconate or uh, single ministry or professional ministries or whatever, married life, then that's good fruit. <laughs> um, it's not bad fruit because it wasn't a particular color of apple. <laughs> uh, and, and so I, I, you know, over the, t over the time in the years, I've been looking at that and saying, you know, I've, been, I've encouraged people to, to seriously consider ministry. Some, every one of them, I would say, has engaged in ministry somehow. May not be priesthood, mm -hmm. may not be religious life, but as single people, as married people, as professional lay ministers, um, they've engaged in a lot of good, good ministry. Um, and if we're doing that, then I believe, you know, we're doing our job. Because ultimately, when you think about, well, any of these ministries that we've mentioned here, mm -hmm. it's about the following the Spirit. It's the Spirit that does the work there. We need to provide good fertile ground for the Spirit to work. Mm -hmm. If we're just providing hard rock and dirt, then we're not doing our job. Then we're not doing our job. True. Some things to think yeah, about. Yeah, lots to think about. All right, well, I think we'll leave it there okay. for this time. Think about that for the week about vocations, not vacations. Um, we hope you enjoyed that, and we will see you next time. Great, sounds good.